Oh, yeah, I was just thinking there, Jess, as you were saying that, as some people can just drain the life out of you. Some people are suckers. You can either be a sucker or a sower. You get to choose, are you going to be sowing into the lives of those around you, or are you going to just be a sucker and suck the life out of those? You know, some people you just get around and they have nothing but complaints, nothing but whines, nothing but worries, and they just like, ugh. I can only spend so much time with you. I'm going to head on. You sow what you can sow and you move on. But we should endeavor as Christians to be sowers of encouragement, sowers of hope, sowers of the goodness of God into the lives of those around you. Well, good morning to all you who are joining us via the internet. It's so great to be back with you all as well. It's good to be home. Uh, I I missed you all last Sunday. Um, I was away for almost two weeks and it was a busy, busy time. And on Thursday, as I crossed back into Canada over by Lansdowne, just a few few minutes from my house, it was just like, as I crossed that border, it's like, man, it's good to be home. It's good to know where you're called to be and get there. And there's just something about getting home, getting home. And so I had a great time down with with my alma mater and my friends and the organization that I'm involved with. And uh, first week we had Winter Bible Seminar, which was just amazing, just spending time worshiping God with over 2,000 people and just pouring out our hearts. And it was just like, man, every service is like, oh God, I, I I didn't come into those meetings feeling like I needed anything. And it just seemed like every service, God had something for me, something he needed to speak, something he needed to encourage, something he needed to remind me and to instill vision. And so it's just something you come when you don't come with expectations. God shows up in ways you didn't even think of. Now, I always say you should come expecting a word from God, but sometimes we come in and God, I need this, this, this. Well, he knows what you need more than you know what you need, right? Right. Come on. And what you think you need is probably not what you do need. And he gets what you need to you when you need to get there. So it was a great time. But then I I had the privilege last week of uh, getting to sit in on the the director meetings for Rama Bible Training College worldwide. And that's my alma mater in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Broken Arrow, really, but it's a suburb of Tulsa. But God is doing amazing things around the world. God is really doing awesome things in these days. And it's easy for us to get so distracted about everything the world says that we don't look into, okay, what is the good that's happening? And within my organization that I'm hooked up with, we now have over 289 Bible schools worldwide. That any given moment of the day, there's over 20,000 students studying the Word of God, going out into wanting to fulfill the mission that God has given to go around the world and plant churches. We have now crossed over to 115,000 graduates worldwide, with over 3,477 churches being pastored by Rhema grads around the world, and that is expanding and increasing every day. There is such a hunger for God going on around the world and we look at Canada and we're like oh I guess God's done with things no you look around the world he's not done at all come on I think it was two years ago they launched a Rainbow Bible Training Center in Kinshasa in the the Democratic Republic of Congo and in their first year of being open as a school the top general from the army was one of their students and immediately upon graduation he went out and he planted four churches across the Congo And it's just like story after story we're hearing. In Brazil, there's over 120 campuses now because there's just thousands of so many hungry people saying, I want more of the word. Train me up. Send me. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a missionary. I want to support the work in churches. God is doing great things around the world. It was so encouraging to, be, uh, to get to be able to spend a lot of time with my roommate from when I was in college, uh, like 17, 18 years ago now, and he's just doing amazing things. He's got four different uh, schools that he's opened, and he's working on his fifth in uh, the country of Armenia. And that was such a fulfillment of a vision that God had given. He, was, he had the country of Iran on his heart a few years ago. And he had, through some connections, uh, people were inviting him, saying, you need to come. I've got 20,000 pastors who need help. They need support. And uh, he was getting ready to go. And then somebody said to him, he's like, you probably should think, reconsider this. If you have an Iranian stamp in your passport, you will never get into North America again. It's like, you won't be able to come back to these meetings. You won't come back to, to your support base. It's like, don't go. And he was kind of like, oh, disappointed. I didn't get to go to Iran like I wanted to. And God said, no, I put Iran on your heart for a reason. 
and just pray into that and sow into that and pray for them and bless them anyways. And you know what happened that year? A bunch of Iranians started showing up in his church. <laughs> didn't ha- he didn't have any Iranians before. But there was a, a bunch of people migrating out of Iran and into the city of Athens, Greece, and they started ending up in his church and getting saved in his church, and he was getting to train up Iranian leaders and send them back. But he said, God, there's got to be a way that we can do this on a greater scale. And so God dropped the nation of Armenia into his heart, and he's like, well, how does that help me? Well, Armenia is one of the only countries that has good relations with Iran. And he found out that the Iranians, they cross the border into Armenia all the time. And so he's like, if I set up a school in Armenia, I can reach the Iranians. And so sometimes we have something on our heart that we think it's got to be this way. No, we listen for God's way, and he gets it done in ways that keep you safe and ways that are more impactful. And so there's just so many story after story. Like I, I was sharing on Friday some of the great things that are happening over just across the border into Quebec. If we want to talk about Canada, just last month in, in Quebec, at Rama Quebec, they, uh, they got a call from an evangelist in, in, obviously, we're in winter here, right? We're in winter, just so i set the scene here. They get a call from this evangelist, he says, I'm going to be through your area uh, in, in a few weeks, and I want to come and I want to do street evangelism in Quebec City. And the pastor that he called kind of chuckled to him, says, like, you want to do what? He's like, we don't do street evangelism in Quebec. It doesn't work. People don't want to talk about it. They're so shut off to God. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm already in the area. What's the worst that can happen? I'll come, I'll talk to your leaders, and we'll go out to the streets. And he's like, you do realize we are in the middle of winter. It's cold. People don't walk on the streets in the middle of winter. We run from car to building, you know, get out of the snow, get out of the cold. And he's like, just, it's okay. I'm in the area anyways. I might as well do something while I'm here. So he came in on his first day. He sat down with the pastor's leaders and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just go have conversations with people. And in the midst of your conversation, just ask them, if, do you know that if, where, if you were to pass away today, where you would end up? And then just see where the conversation goes from there. Whether they're open, whether they're closed, and just use the opportunities. And so you know what happened? Over 500 people were saved that week and his church is now exploding in Canada. I wanted to end with that testimony because there's so many that I could share, but it's not bypassing Canada. It's not bypassing Canada. God is doing great things in our nation. He's going to do it in Quebec. He's going to do it in Ontario. He's going to do it in Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, all through the territories. God is doing a great work in Canada. I don't see it, Pastor Jordan. Well, why don't you go ahead and align your vision with that? Why don't you go ahead and align your words with that and believe that good things are happening in the nation of Canada? Good things are happening here in the city of Smith's Falls and in Lanark County and throughout all our surrounding regions. Amen? God has got great things happening today. Amen? Well, let's move on. (laughs) When I left two weeks ago, we were in the middle of a series on the laws of God. And when I originally did the structure for this series... I thought we were going to be about six weeks, and here we are on week number seven, and we're still not done, and we're just going to keep moving on it. And just so I remind and bring everybody back to the same page, when we're talking about the laws of God, our minds immediately usually go to the do do this or don't do this that we see throughout the law of Moses. If you do this, you'll be blessed, but if you don't do this, it's kind of like the carrot and the stick. God, people act like God is dangling this carrot. Oh, if you do this, but if you don't, here's my stick, and I'll whack you. That's not God. That is not God, and that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the laws of God. We said that the definition that we can be using is as a law, as a statement of fact, deduced from observation to the effect that a particular phenomenon always occurs when certain conditions are present. 
And so the laws of God that we're talking about are more akin to the laws of nature or the laws of physics. It's something that is set, it's something that is fixed, and you can see it. And where do you see it? You see it in the Word of God. It's deduced from observation. He didn't ask you how you felt about it. He doesn't ask you what you've experienced about it. He's saying, what does the Word say? What are fixed realities of God? Come on, we have to understand the new creation realities. You are not bound by the same laws that bind the worldly people. Come on, you've stepped out of darkness into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, and you are now an ambassador for Christ. And as we've said, ambassadors are bound by the laws of the nation they come from, and they, they get to stand in diplomatic immunity in the land that they're in, right? Come on, you stand in immunity from the things of the world. You are an ambassador for Christ, an ambassador from the kingdom. You stepped out of the kingdom of darkness. You stepped into God's kingdom. God's laws now apply to you, and God's laws are good. God's laws are faithful. God's laws are sure. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever because they flow out of him, and he does not change. Amen? Amen? So in week number one, we looked at law number one, which was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everyone say free. free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is flowing to me. It's flowing to my body. It said that if the, the, spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he quickens your mortal body. He brings life. He makes it alive. He brings health to it. The spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life is flowing to me now. Oh, come on. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Law number two says that, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, everyone say this one. This one. Everyone say, that's me. that's me. This one will be blessed in what he did. Now, Jessica reminded us that our, our uh, word for the year of 2023 is to continue to continue in the things that God has called us to do. So many people let go after a season. No, I'm so glad that Abraham didn't let go after a few months. He pursued for years. He continued for years, and he saw the promise come to pass. And so it says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God is that perfect law of liberty that sets you free. And we said that you can always tell when the word is being misapplied when it brings you back into bondage. The word was meant to set you free, to overcome things. The grace of God doesn't leave you where you are. It brings you out. It brings freedom. It knocks off the chains. It knocks off the ropes. It breaks off the shackles, and it brings you into freedom. And we are called to continue in that freedom. And the reason why the law of liberty is so perfect is because it leads us to the heart of God, and his heart is a heart of love, which law number three was the royal law of love. We love because he first loved us. We can reach out with a heart of love to those around us and love our neighbors as ourselves because he loves them as himself, as he loves you. And so it leads us to the royal law of love. And when we left off two weeks ago, we were right here, law number four, where we want to pick up today, and that is the law of faith. And so you can join me over in your Bibles in Galatians chapter five. How's everybody doing this morning? We got a lot to cover here, and we'll see how much we get done, whether or not we have to go a, a third week on this law. But the law of faith, did you find your way to Galatians chapter five? And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. That kind of sounds a little bit like law number two. That we continue in the perfect law of liberty. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Has. Future tense or past tense? Past tense. He has made you free. Stand fast in that liberty. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
And so in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, you have to understand what Paul's writing about and why he's writing it to them. He came through and he preached and had a mighty work start there in the, in the region of Galatia, which was a, a Roman province in Asia, in what we, we would call probably through the, the area of Turkey now. And after he had pro- preached there and had a great work, there was a bunch of Jewish people who came along behind him and said, all that stuff that Paul preached, it was great, it's a wonderful thing, but you still need to keep all the feasts. You still need to keep all of Moses' laws. Oh, and you got to get circumcised too because you're not saved unless you're circumcised. And it's kind of like, oh my goodness, have they missed the point so much? And so it was such a frustration to Paul as everywhere he was going, they were following around behind him. And he started crying out to God. And he's like, God, make it stop. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is more than enough for you in this situation. Press on, Paul. Press on. And so here, as he's talking to the Galatians about that very thing, he says, no, stand in the liberty in which Christ has already made you free and don't go back to the bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And what he was saying is if you go back to the law and you think you're standing with God is sure because of something you've done in your body or something that you've done in your actions, you're mistaken. Mistaken. It profits you nothing. It's either you believe Christ did, did a work and that Christ's work was enough, or you don't. Come on. We need to settle that in ourselves. What Christ did was enough for you today, or it wasn't. There's no in between. He either did a perfect work, a complete work, a finished work, or he did no work at all. Paul says there's no in-between. And he says, And I testify to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. Come on, he's saying, if if you want to go that way, you got to do it all. Not just the easy parts. you got to do it all. Because Jesus said, if you're missing one, you're missing all. So you got to do it perfectly. And no one had done it perfectly except Jesus. And he said, we're just going to go ahead and move that out of the way. All you who need something... Come to me. He says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. Or you separated yourself from the very saving thing that you needed. And he says, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Everyone say, by faith. We are standing in righteousness, fully justified before God because of faith in what Jesus has done. said all that just to get here to verse 6. For in Christ, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It avails nothing or it means nothing, but faith working through love. There's a reason why we're going in the order that we're going with the law. We started with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free because you won't walk in these things if you think you're stuck. Then we went on to the perfect law of liberty, which we said was perfect because it leads you to the heart of God, which is a heart of love. God is love. It's not something he has. It's not something he uses. It's something he is. And so the word reveals God's heart of love for you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And once you understand that love, we move on to faith because faith works through love. You want to see your faith be lit on fire? Focus in on the love of God. Now, when I, the way that I always thought about this for so many years, that this was talking about, well, if I'm not walking in love, my faith won't work. And that's half true. But it's not talking about your love. It's talking about his love. When you understand what he said he's done for you, and you believe him, and you trust him, and you understand the love he has for you, you have no problem saying, God, I trust you. As you said it, it's so how, that's how it is for me. I believe it because I understand your character. I understand your nature. I understand your love for me. And knowing how much you love, for, love me, how could it not be as you've said? Why would you ever lie to me? The thing is, he won't. Says God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. God doesn't change, and he doesn't lie. And so if he said something is one way, that's how it is. And so when we're talking about faith, we have to understand it doesn't work by our goodness, it works by 
his goodness. Now it says faith working through love. That word, word working is the Greek word energio, which means to be operative or at work or to put forth power. Faith comes alive and begins to work when we stand in the love of God that he has for us. It comes alive and goes to work. And if it can come alive and go to work, it can also be dormant and not be at work. You know, we want to spend a bunch of time on this for a really important reason. One of the most common things I've heard over the last 21 years of being here, 15 years as a pastor, is when you talk to people, they often get this comment, I don't know if I have enough faith. Or I just don't have faith for that. Or I don't know if I can believe that. That's a load of hogwash. There's a difference between having faith and using faith. And oftentimes there's an unwillingness to do as Paul said in verse 1 of chapter 5, stand in the liberty in which Christ has made you free. As he also said in Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. And there seems to be an inability, or not an inability, an unwillingness for a lot of Christians to put their foot down and say, no, that's not going to be for me. No, I'm not going to keep this sickness. No, I'm not going to stand in lack. No, I'm not going under. No, I'm not trapped where I am. No, I'm not stuck. There seems to be an unwillingness to do what Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Last time I checked, fights weren't a passive thing. They were an active, aggressive thing. You know, it just popped into my head. There was a time a long time ago when Christopher had just started dating Jessica. And she's like, oh, you guys, like, you, I don't, you don't ever seem to, like, fight or anything like that. And so Toph and I decided we were going to fight and we were going to wrestle. And we, neither of us were willing to give up. And so we were tumbling and rumbling all over the kitchen and through the the dining room and finally uh, Mimi had enough and she came over with a big pitcher of water and neither of us was going to give up. Come on, you fight the good fight of faith. You get a little bit of bulldog tenacity and you say, no, I'm not going to be the one that gives up. You give up. You give in. You cry mercy. It won't be me. Come on, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. When it comes to the things of this life, when the enemy's dangling stuff in front of your head, you say, no, no, no. I'm going to fight and I'm going to stand and it's going to be as God has said for me. We get a tenacity. Come on, the church needs to stir up their tenacity because we've read the end of the book. We win. He's already defeated. And so we get a backbone. Get a backbone of iron. Or as I've heard other people say, become like a bulldog. When they latch onto something, they won't let go. Faith works through love. Or it comes alive. Or releases power when we understand the love of God. We read that same verse in the Passions Translation. It says, when you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. Okay, so let's get back to our main verse for the law of faith here. In Romans chapter 3, verse 27, it says, So where is the boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. There's nothing for you to boast about. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing that God did not do. He went all the way. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. We don't boast in ourselves. We don't live by the law of works. We live by the law of, say it with me, faith. And so we told you two weeks ago that faith gives you access to the things of the kingdom. Faith doesn't create things. It only accesses what God says he's already done. When we look at healing, God said that by his stripes, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Peter says it's a past tense. It's not even a future. We can look at Isaiah. Isaiah was looking forward to the cross. And he said, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. Peter's looking back to the cross, and he says, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. 
He sees it as done. Faith latches on to what is already present and what is already true. It says, if God told me it's that way, I believe it's that way, and I'm going to act like it's that way. Come on, I remember when Brother Hagin, he wrote in several different books about his testimony of being healed off, off of the bed of affliction when he was basically dying at the age of 16, 17. He began to read through the Bible, and he finally got to Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, and he could only read a few pages at a time before he lost strength, and then he'd go to sleep, and he'd wake up and pick up where he He finally got to Mark 11, and he saw, have faith in God. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And he said, he asked God to be healed. And then he had this thought pop into his heart. What do healed people do? He says, well, they certainly don't lay in bed in the middle of the afternoon sick. If the word says I'm healed, I'm healed. And so what he did is he threw his legs over the side of the bed and he began to pull himself out of that bed, which they said he would never get out of. And he began to pull on that, the banister or the, the post of the bed, pulled himself up. And as he began to stand, he began to feel strength flow into his body. He understood that something was true about him that God said. God said, you're healed. And if you can believe, then get up. And so he got up. And this is where a lot of people will just stop for a second. This is where a lot of people get, go wrong. They're waiting for God to come and make them do something. God's not going to make you do anything. He's not going to make you step out. He's not going to make you act. And he's certainly not going to make you believe. Come on. Let's just be real for a moment. He's not going to do those things. He's not going to make you dance. He's not going to make you sing. He's not going to make you praise and worship. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He will never make you do what you don't want to do. And so it's up to us to change our want to and what we're willing to believe, and what we're willing to do. Come on. And so if he said it's one way, go ahead and act like it. Well, I don't feel like. I didn't ask you how you felt. I asked you what was true. It's either one way or it's the other. It can't be both. Faith gives you access to the things of the kingdom. 1 John 5, 4, we read it two weeks ago. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And a lot of us would like to say, this is the victory that causes us to overcome. Jesus, no. He's done all he's going to do. He sat down at the right hand of the Father because he did enough. What he did was enough. It's our job now to believe and walk it out. And so he says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so faith only accesses what God has said is already there. So we need to understand what the word of God has said is available to us. You know, Romans 5.1 said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We told you two weeks ago that verse 1 of that chapter is salvation. Verse 2 is the continuation of what happens after. You already are justified by faith and have peace with God and now you have access into the grace in which you stand by faith. And I've always been partial to the way the New American Standard Bible says it. Is that we've obtained our introduction into this grace by faith. An introduction is your starting point. Salvation was your starting point in grace and faith. Every day we get to access the grace of God, which he's left for us. Right now there's more grace available to you than you could ever imagine. And by faith we step into it and we believe that doors open before us, that opportunities come our way, that we're the head and not the tail, that we're above and not beneath, that I will not be held down by the world standard. I'm going to rise myself up to God's standard of what he's called me to. Come on, I have access to those things by faith into the grace in which I already stand. And you can say, Pastor Jordan, the world's looking pretty dark these days. Good. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And so if grace is abounding, we should let our faith abound as well. 
As 2 Peter 1.3, Peter said, As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So, as we move on this morning, in the time we've got left, how does the law of faith work? Well, I always like to stop and focus on this, and in fact that you have faith. It's not something you need, it's something you already have. And if you're a Christian and you've asked Jesus into your heart, you've already believed for the biggest thing you will ever believe for. Everything else is small potatoes. That moment of salvation where you released faith, you believed what someone told you about God, you stepped out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. You've already believed for the biggest thing you will ever believe for, and that faith was enough, right? That faith was enough. Come on, say it with me. That faith was enough. It was enough. And if it was enough then, it's enough now. You have all the faith you will ever need. You got it. You got it. And as Paul said to Romans in Romans 12, 3, he said, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Paul says, don't get puffed up and think you're something great because you've been able to believe. We all can do it. We don't need to puff ourselves up. And so some people think so little of themselves, well, I could never do that. They need to look up to God. And then there's some ministers that get up there a little too big for their britches, and they start thinking it's all about them and how good they are and what they can do. Come on, that pride comes before a... God gives grace to the humble. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. We all have the measure of faith. I love the word in the Greek there because it means a standard measurement. It's not like he gave me more and you less. No, we all got it. It's all about what we use. You know, in the Passion Translation of that same verse, it says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with appropriate self-esteem. Some people don't have any self-esteem. You need to have the appropriate self-esteem. I'm completing Christ. But it's not about how good you are. It's about how good he was. And so he says, you have God-given faith. So you have everything you will ever need. It's just a matter of using it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Because you will never believe for something that you don't know you have. We're talking about accesses, the things that God has already provided for you. If you don't know he's provided it for you, you will never walk in it. That's why a daily walk in the word is important, to understand what God has said. And if you want to know where you should focus your time, spend your time in the epistles. That's talking about the church. That's talking about you. I love the Gospels too, but so many Christians, they start in, back in Genesis and then they get, oh, that's great, and then Exodus, oh, that was good, and then they hit Numbers and Deuteronomy and they're just like, I don't understand what he's talking about. Look through the cross. Look back to it. If you want to major somewhere, stay in the epistles. Stay in the epistles. They're written to the church in the age that you live in. Look at what Jesus had done during the Gospels. That's a great place. The Psalms and the Proverbs are wonderful. But faith begins where the will of God is known, and you're not going to believe for something you don't know is there. Right. Now, if I, if I took a bank card, and I filled it up with a million dollars, and I left a note, and I set it there, and said, Toph, this million dollars is for you. Do whatever you want with it. And I put it here. And I said, Toph, you should probably read the note that I left you. (laughs) And he doesn't. He doesn't know what's on that note and what's been done for him. Will he ever use it? No, he can't. 
because he doesn't even know it's there. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of Christians are. They have no idea what the Word of God has said about them. They have no idea how to overcome the world by their faith because they're not even looking to overcome their faith. They're looking to survive. If I can just get by another day. God has not called you to survive. He's called you to thrive. Come on. And so faith begins where the will of God is known. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this has gotten a lot of people messed up over the years because they say, well, faith comes. Pastor Jordan, you already said I have faith. That's right. You notice the word comes there is in italics, which means it was added by the translators for ease of understanding. Not so in this case. Faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what the verse says. There's faith by hearing. Why? Because when you've heard, you can believe. Once you know what is true about you, you can then believe it about yourself. But faith doesn't have to come or go. It's already there because the measure of faith has been given to you. And the thing is, yeah, you will never believe what you don't know. And if we back up a few verses here in Romans 10, we'll switch to the Passion Translation. I'm just trying to give you a different perspective and use a few different translations for you. It says in verse 13, and it's true. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be rescued and experience new life. But how can people call on him for help if they've not yet believed? And how can they believe in the one they've not yet heard of? And how can they hear the message of life if there is no one there to proclaim it? And how can the message be proclaimed if messengers have not yet been sent? That's why the scriptures say, how welcome is the arrival of those proclaiming the joyful news of peace and of good things to come. And so we see the progression. In order for them to believe, they had to have heard. And someone had to have been sent and be obedient. All the things of God are that way. If you haven't heard, you can't believe. You'll never believe in what you do not know. You will never trust in a God you do not know. But when you come to know him and you understand the love that he has for you, faith will flourish. But the next verse says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. (laughs) That's sad. It's true, though. Not everyone welcomes the good news. As Isaiah said, Lord, is there anyone who hears and believes our message? Sometimes I feel like that as a pastor. Is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Does anybody believe? And God says, stop having a pity party, Jordan. <laughs> and so Isaiah, he just confronts it. He's like, does any, is anybody care and know? But the next verse says, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Hallelujah. A heart that responds. Just like we said with Brother Hagin, when he understood that God said he has been healed, what did he do? He responded. He threw his legs over the side of the bed, he grabbed on the post, and he pulled himself up. You know, I was reminded of a a story this last week while I was talking with some friends in... uh, when I was at Rama, we had intramural hockey, and you would think that a Christian intramural hockey league was all loving and everything like that. No, there was full-out brawls. The police had to be called. People were pepper sprayed. It was rough. Uh, one, one of my friends, Canadian friend from Ham- Hamilton, uh, checked the dean of the school into the boards and broke his ribs, and it was a rough and tumble league. I would come home. My legs would be bleeding from people hacking your legs, and it was rough, but it was fun. And uh, one time, we were in the middle of the game, and as I was coming down, I went to deke around this boy from Minnesota, and as I planted my leg to kind of roll around him, he didn't stop, and he just went right through my leg and hyperextended my knee and tore all of the muscles up the back. And so here I am, a Canadian boy down in Oklahoma with no medical insurance or anything like that. I can't go to the hospital, but I can't walk either. And so a friend helped me home. I got a, I got a tensor Band-Aid, and I just kind of wrapped it tight so that my leg was basically stiff. And I walked like this for about a week. And I was in prayer and healing school as I served there for three years. And we were having a great wild time in the Holy Spirit one day. And people were just shouting and running and having a good time. And here I was standing there because I could barely walk, let alone run. And something dropped into my heart. 
You know, you've been sitting here for three years, Jordan, listening about the goodness of God, watching people be miraculously healed up off the deadbed, deathbed, and here you are, you're going to believe me or not. And in that moment, I was kind of like, I remembered the pain. I remembered the way I was walking. And I had a choice to make. Do I want to stay here? Did God say, I'm healed? Or did he not say? And that moment stuck between that decision. It was probably a half a second, split second like that. But those moments can sometimes feel like an eternity. As though God has stopped time and he's saying, what are you willing to believe? What is your choice? How are you going to respond? And I just said, God, you said it. It's true. And I took off running. And it looked like this. (laughs) But you know, as I rounded that first corner, it started getting better. And by the time I had made it around that auditorium... I was running full steam, full, full, all the pain was gone, all the, the, the gimpy lock, lock was gone, and I was running normal. But I had a choice. Do I respond to the word of God, or do I stay here as I've been? Come on, we read the Bible and we see miracles of people like they had been on the bed of affliction for 38 years. Whew, that's a long time. But I'm glad they were willing to respond when Jesus said, get up. Doesn't matter how long you've been there. It either is one way or it isn't. Hallelujah. So how do we respond? If you've been here the last few months, you know exactly how you respond. We talked about Joshua. We talked about Caleb. We talked about the response to the spirit of faith where God said, the land is yours. And they said, we're more than able to go take it. Let us go up at once for the Lord will deliver them into their hands. And everybody else's response was, there's giants. They're too big. We can't do it. They're going to eat us up. We should have died in Egypt or died in the wilderness. We can't do it. They chose their response. And Caleb and Joshua said, God said it, we'll do it. And it says this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith of who? They're talking about Joshua and Caleb in this verse. According to what is written, I have believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and we therefore speak. How do you respond to the word of God? You do something with it. You put it in your mouth and you get up and you act. That's the only way faith is ever expressed in the entirety of the whole Bible. When they were faced with a decision, the faith was released by what they said or what they did. No other way. Never by what they thought. Never by what they felt. But only ever by what they said and what they did. There's no silent miracles in the Bible. Everyone said, I believe. And they did it. They didn't even, some of them didn't even have to say that. They just got up. He said, get up off your bed. And what did they do? They didn't say, well, I've been here a long time, God. No. They got up and they did what he told them to do. And God is not going to do the believing and the speaking for you. And that's the way faith responds. That's the way faith responds. And so let's end with this story in Mark chapter 9. In verse 17 it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. But they could not. They came to the disciples first, and they couldn't do something about it. And he answered him and said, and this is directed at the disciples, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? How long do I got to put up with you? Bring him to me. But he says, O faithless generation, and this this is not a contradictory to what I've already talked about. The word here in faithless is apistos, means it's not in activity. They have not used what they have. It's just like when he was out on the, on the water and the storm came up and he said, come on, oh ye of little faith. The literal translation is, how is you having faith use none? 
Jesus has already given them examples and expected them to follow. And so here he says, how come you guys aren't using your faith? I'm not going to be here always, but you are. Come on. And that's why Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also, even greater, because he's left us with the Holy Spirit, the same power that empowered him to do what he's called us to do. And so they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell down the ground, and he wallowed, and he was foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And they said, from childhood. We don't know how old the boy was, but it's been a while. And it says that it has often thrown him both in the fire and into the water to destroy him, but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us. The man says to Jesus, if you can do anything, come on, if you can do it, God, if you can do it, please help me, God, please help me, if you can do it. And Jesus said, no, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He was waiting for Jesus to do something. And Jesus said, I can't do it unless you're with me. If you can believe, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believe. And I love the man's response. It says, immediately. <laughs> not, not he didn't wait around to say, oh, no, Jesus isn't going to do it. It said, no, he immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Whatever it is in me that's stopping me from stepping out fully, Lord, help me with that. I believe. He responded to the word that Jesus spoke, said, if you can believe, all things are possible. And he said, Lord, I'm a believer. I believe. And you as a Christian, that's exactly who you are. They call them believers because that's what's natural to you. It is natural to you to believe. It's not something that's hard. You've already done it. You believed unto salvation, and you can believe today. Whatever's going on in your life it doesn't have to be an ending for you it's a new day you can stand and believe and see it change whatever the word of god has said about your situation it is true so why don't you get up on your feet with me this morning father we thank you for your word we thank you that it is true we thank you lord that it remains the same yesterday today and forever and whatever's going on in the lives of those that are here this morning and those that are listening online father you know what's going on and stir up the word within them stir up the word on the inside of them lord that lord you said that you would provide all of their needs according to your riches and glory in christ jesus and so we say i believe if it's sickness in their body, you said that you have healed us by the stripes of Jesus. You carried all sickness and all pain. And so we believe, we receive it in Jesus' name. If we need opportunities opened up before us, we thank you, Lord. You are the one that makes a way where there is no way. You make something out of nothing. And we believe you and we receive it in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, Lord, I thank you. You move across these hearts and you stir them up to expectation. You stir them up to to faith in you once again and Lord we thank you for your love yes your love which you love us with Lord it's a great and an ending love oh God yes oh we thank you for your love oh God Woo! thank you Jesus yes yes Lord oh but God who is rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, I thank you, your love, it crosses all lines. It crosses all boundaries. There is nothing that keeps me from your love. And so I receive it this morning, Lord, and we give you glory and honor and praise. Whoo, hallelujah. Well, maybe you're here this morning or you're watching via the internet and you haven't even made that step into Christ Jesus. He said, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All it takes is a little faith in your heart and a little word on your mouth that says, Lord, I believe you and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That's all it takes. Salvation's no big thing. He's done the work. We just get to believe and to speak. 
Hallelujah. In just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be right up here at the front. They would love to pray with you. They'd love to believe with you. They would love to agree with you, testify. If you need that no-so experience in your life of that I've, I'm saved, I've stepped into Jesus, they would love to pray with you for whatever's going on in your life. Don't leave here if there's still something lingering in your heart that you need help with. They would love to believe with you and agree with you. Hallelujah. It was so good to be home with you this morning. So good to be home. Pastor Robin, why don't you bring us in for a landing? Amen. You may be seated. Amen. <laughs> Glory be to God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. Amen. It's the laws of the kingdom. Glory be to God. And so we're going to take up the offering now. And, and that is one of the laws as well. And I'm in Galatians chapter 6. And I just want to look at something here quickly with you. And in verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season. And that word, due season, basically is kairos. And kairos, that is the appointed time and the purpose of God. So what we have here on either side of this is we have uh, a kairos moments. We have the first kairos moments is your opportunity. It's an opportunity uh, uh, Time, the appointed time and the purpose of God, that's the first opportunity and the opportunity to give. In verse 10 it says, and then we shall reap if we do not lose, uh, verse 9, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So the second Kairos moment is in the, a time when God acts. And so when you sow, God acts and you reap. Amen? And he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, and that's what we're giving you this morning, we're giving you opportunity at let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Amen? And so you have the, this way you can give. Go online and you can give that way. Or there's an envelope in the seat in front of you. Uh, you can fill that up and fill it up. Fill it up and fill it out. <laughs> Amen? And there's a basket in the back as when you leave. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, this morning stirred me up. Stirred me up. I'm telling you. There's some things we let go as we just walk this Christian walk. And, and some of the things are just as simple as you already believed, you have faith, use it. Use it. Amen? Use it. And that makes you the overcomers because it's our faith that overcomes all things. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. You are blessed. And we will be up here. If you want prayer or minister to, uh, Pastor Winnie and I will be up here, and we will love to do, pray, pray with you. God bless.